Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This is the Tom Hartman Program. This fascinating little graphic, somebody said that their doctor had shared it with them. The graphic says they don't know they're sick. With an incubation period of up to 14 days, COVID-19 can be spread without knowing. And then on the left-hand side, there's three pictures of a guy who is a COVID carrier who doesn't realize it. And on the right side, there's a picture of a woman who is healthy and wearing a mask. Okay, or a healthy person, okay. So if the COVID carrier doesn't have a mask, and if the healthy person does have a mask, the probability of transmission is 70%. So wearing a mask cuts by 30% the risk that you'll get COVID from somebody else, only by about a little less than a third. Not all that wonderful. The mask doesn't protect you all that well. On the other hand, if the COVID carrier has the mask, and you don't have a mask, the probability of transmission is cut by 95%. The total probability of transmission is only 5%. Even if you don't have a mask, if the person with COVID is wearing a mask, you only have a 5% chance of getting an infection. And if you're wearing a mask and the COVID person is wearing a mask, the probability of you're getting COVID is 1.5%. We're also seeing a handful of COVID-19 patients. This is an amazing story. Carla Simmons writing this for ScienceTimes.com. A handful of COVID patients who arrived at the hospital with elevated blood sugar levels later on developed diabetes. Other viruses are known to accelerate autoimmune diseases like type 1 diabetes. In a 2009 study, they found that the infection caused by SARS, which is another coronavirus, triggered the onset of diabetes in some patients. So we've got this whole right-wing outrage movement dedicated to, as Nigel says, weapons of mask destruction. And using masks as their new faux outrage thing. And what are they doing? They're telling their people to risk having to shoot insulin for the rest of their lives, having dementia for the rest of their lives. Yes, this is one of the things that has happened to people in their 20s. They literally, for the rest of their lives, will have dementia some of them, a small percentage, but it's there. Heart attacks, strokes, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Meanwhile, you and I spent 70 
million dollars. Our tax money, $70 million of our tax money was used to develop an antiviral drug that could be used against Ebola, should Ebola come to the United States. It was a public health emergency. It was a big deal. This was done during the Obama administration. $70 million went to universities, and they developed this drug called remdesivir. And then, as has been the case ever since the Clinton administration, it used to be that there was a law. There actually was a law in place that went back 20 years, back in the 90s, back before the 90s. I mean, this this law went back to the 70s that said that when the federal government helps pay for research that develops new drugs and then gives the patents for those drugs to the drug companies, the drug companies have to charge a reasonable price. They have to justify the price because the drug was developed with our money. So you can't rip us off. That was the theory. Bill Clinton rescinded that rule. Tragically. And the Obama administration kind of passed on doing anything about it. And then Democrats in Congress said, well, let's at least let Medicare negotiate drug prices. And the Republicans filibustered that and blocked that. And so now we spent $70 million developing this drug that, you know, this anti-Ebola drug that now it turns out reduces the time to recover from a COVID infection by 30%, by about a third, 31%. The drug costs a dollar a pill to make a dollar a dose. It's a five-day treatment. Five bucks. Gilead is the company that we gave the patent to. They could sell this stuff for 10 bucks and make a profit. Literally. But their CEO, Daniel O'Day, who made $29 million last year on the $5.4 billion in profits that his company made ripping off Americans on pharmaceuticals, said, yeah, cost us a buck. We could sell it for 10, but we're going to sell it for 3,000. Screw you, America. This is, this is, you know, Daniel O'Day, Gilead's CEO. He wants his multi-million dollar paycheck. His stockholders want their dividends. To hell with people. And you and I paid for this. At the same time that's happening, the Trump administration is arguing before the Supreme Court, along with, I I believe it's 20 attorneys general for Republican-controlled states, Republican governors, basically at the behest of Republican governors. They are arguing before the Supreme Court, not just to do away with the Affordable Care Act, but specifically by calling it out by name saying also do away with the provision in the law that says insurance companies may not discriminate against you if you have a pre-existing condition. Bring back those pre-existing condition, you know, you can't have insurance policies. You know, bring back those, bring back those rules where the insurance company said, well, if you have a pre-existing condition, we will not insure you, screw you, you're uninsurable, good luck, Charlie. That's what the Trump administration is trying to do right now as we speak. Kevin in Durham, North Carolina. Hey, Kevin, what's on your mind? I was just going to echo what you were saying. I mean, the thing that's most infuriating to me about all this is that, you know, I've been working from home since like mid-March. So as my wife, my kids have been homeschooled. Businesses have have suffered. You know, uh, my own company had to furlough several employees. And looking at everything now, it's kind of like, you know, we did all this for nothing because, 
I'm looking yesterday, and we clocked in what fifty thousand new cases, which I think they said is a record. Right. So it's yeah, and the whole like, point of the shutdown in March and April was to give the country time to put into place a good testing and contact tracing program and to educate people about wearing masks. And obviously, you know, the Trump administration never did any of that, and neither did any of the red states. In fact, they sneered at. It. Yeah, so we did all the sacrifice, and it was like for what, you know? And it's like not only that, we can't travel. The EU doesn't want us. And we can't even travel from state to state unless we're in quarantine. So right. I was on a friend of mine. I said, you know, Trump doesn't even need a physical wall. I mean, he's got his wall. The wall is us. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you're right. I mean, this is a flaming disaster. I, I don't know how to say it beyond that. It's just a flaming disaster. Thank you. Thanks for your call and, and for pointing that out. Robert in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania says you disagree with me. What's up? Absolutely. None of you. None of you liberals are addressing the fact that 300 cities across the United States thousands of people protested no mask no social distance and no one is admitting that that is probably a major cause of the current spike in covid but you don't want to talk well, about it tell me robert why. i will i will i will i will uh, assume that you don't read the washington post the article there was a, no, a you're, good you're, in-depth you're article wrong. about yesterday in the washington post they pointed out that there's actually a group of scientists who've been looking at this and pretty much everybody in these Black Lives Matter protests were wearing masks. The statement that the scientists made yesterday was that they were able to trace more cases of contagion to one restaurant in East Lansing, Michigan, than to all of the Black Lives Matters protests because people were wearing masks. If somebody with COVID wearing a mask and you don't have COVID and you're wearing a mask, the odds of transmission are one and a half percent. Come on, I have eyeballs. I watched the news. I saw the thousands of people. The Washington Wearing Post masks. the Washington That's your Bible. Mine is Breitbart. Mine is Newsmax. Those well, are I can tell that. News, news, news. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're not, they're not right. They might be right-wing hate, you know, uh, media, as well as on the left wing. It yeah, and racist as well. But, you know, for the most part, I'm going to be honest with you. I do respect you. You are the only one I listen to on this station. I go back and forth. But you... you uh, I, I get Robert, it. go back and watch the video. It's all over the internet, right? Go to YouTube. I'm sorry, we're, we're going to hit the break in five seconds. Go to YouTube and, and check it out. You will see people were really rigorous about wearing masks in these protests. A lot of us were worried about this out loud. I mean, I was expressing a lot of concerns about this. We had weeks of these protests, but we can't. Now the scientists are looking and what they're finding is that people in bars and restaurants are transmitting more COVID than those protests did because by and large people were wearing masks. Tom Harvin here with you just to speak to masks very, very briefly. The reason why surgeons have worn masks since the late 19th century is not to protect them from their patients. Doctors don't wear masks to protect the doctor. They wear masks so that when they're cutting you open and looking down into your guts and breathing, the particles of moisture that contain bacteria and viruses in their breath are caught in the mask. In other words, so they don't cause you to become infected if you're the patient. And that's why we wear masks. Because if we have an infection and we don't know it, the mask will prevent it from being transmitted. And that's, and frankly, I think that we're going to find that these Black Lives Matter protests 
the protests against the murder of George Floyd, et cetera, that happened over the last few weeks, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and I mean, just the, the whole long list. Most of the footage that I saw, people were wearing masks. It seemed very, very rare that they weren't, in fact. Robbie in Portland. Hey, Robbie, what's up? I disagree with you on one thing. This study, the research paper, I read it really in depth. Basically what it says here, and I'll quote, there's no evidence that it it didn't. Now, for people who might be listening and don't know what you're talking about, Robbie, you're talking about protesters in the streets all across America not spreading COVID because they were all wearing masks, right? All right. Yeah. So the actual research paper, the conclusion here, it says, well, it is possible the protests caused an increase in the spread of COVID-19 among those who attended the protest. We demonstrate the protests had little effect on the spread of COVID-19 for the entire population of the counties where the protests occurred. Now, here's the thing is they use cell phone data and they basically proved that social distancing increased in the cities where the protests happened. And they were saying that they were separate. So that's how they're saying the COVID didn't increase. But what's happening right now? Multnomah reopening and the headline Mercury, one of the local newspapers here, says, oh, well, we're having an increase. How is it that the protests haven't spread COVID-19? The first weekend that I was there, I was like, oh, I definitely got it now. You know, we're all chanting, breathing heavily, marching in really tight, close quarters. Sure, we got masks on, but, you know, that only does so much. I, I just want to keep people... Well, masks actually do a lot, I think Robbie. it's kind of dangerous. There was a good piece in the Oregonian yesterday that was... Actually, it was in the, uh, I first got it from the Department of Public Health. You know, I, you can subscribe to their daily newsletter on COVID. It looks like what's going on in Portland right now is that the Hispanic community is getting hit the hardest at this moment. And probably in large part because so many Hispanic people in Portland are working, you know, construction jobs and things like that, where they've been back to work for the last few weeks or they've been continuing to work all along, they're bringing it home into their community. The news has not traveled as well in that community. And so also in, so in that, one of the Laotian communities. Can I have yeah. the last point here? Uh, also, that study goes into saying that protesters, however, it is possible that the protesters go back and spread it in their community. So people, what they didn't account sure. for is people who are going to these protests outside of those protests. So anyway, this is just, it's, it's scary. Don't don't tell people it's not, they're not gonna get it. That's That's wrong. Okay, I'm, you're right. I'm not trying to tell people that. I am absolutely not. Robbie, thank you. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So would you like to watch the Tom Harbin program? All three hours of our program Anytime you'd like, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Tom Hartman, T-H-O-M-H-A-R-T-M-A-N-N, all run together. When you become a supporter of the program through Patreon, you have access to the full three-hour show anytime you want, and special content that we put up every single week that is unique specifically to our Patreon page. So check it out, patreon.com slash Tom Hartman. Thank you. Welcome back. Uh, Robbie just called a minute ago and, and basically said, if you're trying to say that people going out and protesting, even if they're wearing masks, is not a risk for COVID, you're wrong. And Robbie's absolutely right about that. The risk is radically diminished if everybody's wearing a mask, but there's still a risk. And so I'm not pleased if any of you understood me to say you can't get COVID by going to a protest. That's not what I was saying at all. So, you know, just FYI. Frank in Caldwell, Idaho. Hey, Frank, what's up? About the pipelines and the protesters? I don't think it's right that 10 or 20 people get out there and try and take energy from the rest of America. They shouldn't be allowed to protest or disrupt the pipelines. Okay. That's your perspective. I, my personal perspective is that this entire industry, this fossil fuel industry, is killing our planet and killing our children's future. And I actually care. You know, I've got a two and a half year old grandson. I actually care about his future. Now, if you don't give a rat's ass about the future and future generations, you're entitled to have that kind of. But, uh, it- yeah. Yeah. Frank, I'm sorry. We can't allow people to swear on the air. Thank you, Sean, for pushing the button and beeping Frank's obscenity. But, uh, you know, it's. Climate change BS. Right, 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 right. Steve in Bellingham, Washington. Hey, Steve, what's up? I just thought you and your listeners might enjoy a little virus trivia. I was reading a book called The Meaning of Human Existence, which won a National Book Award. 
so it's a good source of information. It's a science philosophy book. He describes, to give you an idea of how small a virus is, if a human animal cell was a small city, then a bacterium cell, singular bacteria, would be like a football stadium. And a virus would be like a football. So that gives you an idea why you need a superior mask. And and this is why healthcare professionals who know that they're coming into contact with billions of these viruses are constantly throughout their days. They need these N95 masks, which are only 95% effective, but they need those kinds of masks. And why a cloth mask, while it's not going to block all the viruses, is going to block most of the large spit particles, basically, that, that come out when we're talking, even when we're breathing. And, uh, you know, it's going to be very helpful. But that's, that's great. Thank you very much for that, Steve. Todd in Aurora, Colorado. Hey, Todd, what's on your mind? Tom, thank you so much for letting me be on your show. And happy Fourth of July to you. We just heard uh, John Bolton, and you could hear that he would never vote for a Democrat, probably, in his life. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, it sort of got me thinking a little bit about how conservatives think. Here in Colorado, in the 3rd Congressional District, Lauren... Bobert beat out five-time U.S. Representative Scott Chipton. Western Colorado is a bit conservative, of course, but Lauren is a gun-toting individual. And when she was asked, you know, how did she win, she replied that uh, she won because, you know, the government is taking so much of our liberties away. And recently, kind of coincidentally, I was listening a little bit to George Will talk. You know, he was saying how the conservative viewpoint really is to protect the liberties. And it really kind of got me thinking that you could probably draw a straight line all the way back to when our Constitution was being drafted. And there was a lot of anti-federalists out there who were very vocal, many of them in the South. And I was thinking that really somehow or another, the Republicans have caught on to this whole notion that liberty is against the government and that Second Amendment and all of that. Todd, it it, it boils down to two real simple things. Uh, One is a pushback against the New Deal and all the programs subsequent to that. In other words, when they say liberty, they mean the liberty of my company to dump poison in your rivers. You know, and all the variations on bad behavior that they say that should be protected liberty. And then the second is the liberty of white people to discriminate against black people and brown people yeah, exactly. uh, and Native Americans and, and Asians. I mean, you know, it's just that, that's when Republicans use words freedom and liberty, that's what they're talking about. Period. Full stop. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just sad. I think maybe we could call them, you know, anti-federalists or even anti-constitutionalists in some manner. I wouldn't even call them anti-federalists because the anti-federalists actually had some nobility to their argument. You know, these guys are nuts. They're just nuts. Todd, thank you for the call. Dave in Manhattan, New York. Hey, Dave, what's up? I am not at all surprised at the rejection of any of the um, restrictions and the closings in the South and Southwest. And this is something I was really, really worried about, even even way before this, even, even before Trump, because we have lost the ability to face things seriously and soberly and things with complexity and and deal with them ironically in a really conservative way you know especially since now that the republican party everything is about opposing democrats and republicans and uh, and progressives 
even if it means, you know, going down with the ship. I mean, they'll cut off their nose despite their face nine ways to Sunday. And this is also something you can pin on Reagan, is the change from being, you know, genuinely serious and deliberate about things and just, oh, we can just be patriotic and excited and, and gung-ho and sort of, you know, give it all the, the college try and that will do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so if there's a question, it's how do you get past this, or are we going to have to really have a, a genuine devastation before people, you know, and I don't think they'll come to the senses. I think they'll just sort of slink into the background, because I think they've lost the ability to I to vote for the devastation, consider. Dave, and I think we're experiencing it right now. They won't even consider giving in because it means acquiescing to progressives and admitting that, yes, Democrats have more of a, you know, in their interests at heart and are more serious and know how to run a country and are interested in government. And of course, you know, on the right, you're not. So all they have is this overcompensation where, you know, even if, they, if, you, if this was a legitimate position, it's like, no, we really don't want to shut down. We really don't want to wear masks or, you know. But Dave, sort of Dave, the, pause for a minute. If you go back and you look at the history of these protests, movements against government efforts to protect the public health start in 1965 with seatbelts. The Republicans were being paid by the auto industry that didn't want to spend an extra $10 a car to put seatbelts in them. So they launched this whole liberty movement throughout the 60s. And ask anybody who's old enough to remember the 60s. And it was a big deal in the last half of the 1960s and the first half of the 1970s. Then that was followed by Michigan being the first state to put a 10 cent deposit on bottles of Coke and and, and cans of beer. And they went nuts about that. You're trying to steal my liberty. Again, it was funded (laughs) by the soft drink and the beer industry. Then you had the uh, how dare you take my plastic bag away. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Again, funded by the plastics industry. Right. Um, I mean, you you just, you know, if you look at the history of all these moments of faux outrage, of, of, oh, my God, you're trying to take away democracy and American values. They all inured some profit to industry. And death to Americans. I mean, it was every single one of these was an effort by the government to reduce the number of Americans who die. And the side effect of that would be a slight reduction in the profits of industry. Gas mileage standards, for example, the same thing funded by the refineries and the the fossil fuel industry, the outrage, every single step. So what you're looking at right now is, you know, a bunch of industries and a bunch of billionaires who want their workers back to work. And if a few of those workers die of COVID, hey, no big deal. There's an unending supply. That's how they're thinking. Well, you know, if you remember the the Malay speech by Carter, I think that was the turning point. That was where we, you know, he really said, "Listen, we have to really hunker down and be very serious and look this in the eye and be and to be ruthlessly rational." And you know, we had we could have gone in that direction, but then Reagan came along. He's like, "Oh no, this is gloom and doom. We, we just have to be sort of, you know." Well, it wasn't uh, just that. It was you know when Carter gave that speech about energy, and he said that we're going to be energy independent by two thousand and twenty percent of our electricity is going to be produced by solar by 2000. At that point, the fossil fuel industry said, what the hell? We're going to stop this. And then you had the protests against turning your thermostat down to 68 degrees during the third year of the Carter administration. I remember that well. Dave, thank you. My point is, it's always about the money. This is the Tom Hartman Program. The place where despair is not an option. Beth in uh, Tacoma, Washington. Hey, Beth, what's up? Just this morning, I was at my physical therapist, and as I left, there was a patient who was not masked. 
I asked the receptionist about it. They said, oh, we had trouble. He was very adamant he was not going to put one on. I then canceled my next appointment, and I told them to let management know that once they have a no-mask, no-service policy, I will be back as a patient and not until then. I think we need to speak up and speak out and try to get this virus better under control for this country's sake. Thank you. That's it. Well said, Beth. You know, anybody watching or listening, if you walk into a store, any store, anywhere, and you see people without masks, you need to contact the management and if possible, even, you know, above the local management. In other words, if you, if you go into a, a chain of some kind, contact their national offices and just say, I won't be back until you have a no mask, no service policy. I mean, this is just straightforward stuff. Uh, Dennis in Aptos, California. Hey, Dennis, what's on your mind today? Thanks for watching Free Speech TV. Well, we have a group here in the Santa Cruz area that defied the 11 to 5 beach ban last Friday, and they held a protest. Their leader is a guy by the name of David Rodriguez. He actually got on a radio station that has your show on from 4 to, I believe, 5 in the afternoon. So they don't have it on in the morning. But he was on K-Squid FM, and everything that came out of his mouth, he was a guest on this show, everything was disinformation and misinformation about COVID. Now, we've been very lucky in Santa Cruz in that there's been very few, a couple of hundred cases maybe, and two deaths. And one of the reasons is because we've had this lockdown all these weeks. We haven't met the criteria that Gavin Newsom has set to open more, but some businesses are reopening. Uh, It hasn't been a lockdown like in uh, Spain or Italy where you can't even leave your house. You can go surfing and kayaking uh, any time of the day. The 11 to 5 ban is meant to keep people from gathering on the beach and socializing on the beach. And, you know, these people just decided, you know, it was uh, infringing their freedom and their right. Uh, yeah. This guy talked Dennis, the do you know radio- if there's going to be any effort to track these uh, the, these protesters and see if this uh, became an outbreak center? I, I know California has put into place contact tracing. It seems like probably two, three weeks from now, we'll be able to look back, maybe even a week from now, we'll be able to look back and see if this became a hotspot. You know, if, if any of the, if there was one super spreader in that crowd, you might have, you know, 30, 40 cases that came out of it. And that might have spread into the community and become now two or 300 cases. And, you know, I, I suspect there's going to be a lot of these kind of stories, Dennis, where we look back and go, Oh, yeah, those were the guys who were in front of the Michigan uh, State Capitol, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And now look at this, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, we've seen this now documented with a couple of churches. Well, I'll say one thing. I, I live in Aptos, and we have a grocery store about two miles from my, where I live. Uh, about five weeks ago, seven people who work at that store tested positive. One of them got extremely sick. The store closed down for a little over a week, and then it reopened. So I guess David Rodriguez is totally ignorant of that fact, as he is of many facts and that he, you know, gave just all yeah. this. Dennis, I'm going to I'm going to stop this right now because Mr. Rodriguez is not here to defend himself. And I just I'm very, very uncomfortable with those kind of conversations. I was trying to put it in a more general context there for you so that we could uh, you know, discuss it without trashing an individual person. But it's not something that I like to do on this program. I, I, I realize it's kind of the stocking trade of right-wing hate radio is to identify people and vilify them and trash them and all that kind of stuff. I've not found much value in that, frankly. I find that 
calling somebody out, you know, for example, Donald Trump or Kelly Loeffler, public officials who do public things. But, you know, I don't know that much about your situation. I can't certify it. I can't validate it. I'm not going to let it continue. And welcome back. Maverick in Edmonds, Washington. Hey, Maverick, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Nice to talk to you. So thank you. Back uh, at you. I usually stop at the uh, regular bargain grocery stores. But the other day I had to go to Whole Paycheck, also known as Whole Foods, uh, where they have mm-hmm. a, you know, a little higher than clientele. And I noticed that there was 100 percent mask wearing at the Whole Foods. 100 percent. Right. My regular grocery store, it's maybe 30 percent. That kind of inspired me to uh, write a letter to the editor of our local newspaper and uh, take about nine seconds to read it to you. So this virus kills Americans. Therefore, it is our enemy. And if so, fighting this virus is an act of patriotism. Our weapons at this time are defensive. Uh, they are wearing a mask, contact tracing, testing, physical distancing, and hand washing. Therefore, not supporting these efforts by individual behavior or official policy is aiding and abetting the enemy and treason. That's hmm. that's my two cents on that. I've never heard you reference this on your show, and it might be a useful tool for you. In 1905, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in the case of Massachusetts versus Jacobson that states have the authority to, quote, enact quarantine laws of every description in their legitimate exercise to protect the health and safety of citizens. 1905, U.S. Supreme Court, Massachusetts versus Jacobson. Read that sentence again. States have the authority to. Okay. In quotes, states have the authority to enact quarantine laws of every description in their legitimate exercise to protect the health and safety of citizens. Right. Hmm. So I wonder, that, that means I wonder, the governor what, can, I wonder what, that, what provoked that in 1905. I could see a law like that being passed in 1917 or 1918, but... Well, I haven't um, dug in any deeper than that, um, but I, I, I thought that that might be useful to you with your program. Yeah, yeah. And um, so was that a Supreme Court decision or a law? Because you referred to it United as a law and then you States, said that there was a case. United States Supreme US Court v. case is Massachusetts versus Jacobson. Massachusetts versus Jacobson. OK, I'll have to look that up today. And, uh, Somebody must have contesting a state quarantine law of some kind. I would guess. I would guess. And I've learned more about U.S. history from listening to you in the last three, three and a half years than I did in my entire public school education. So I was so excited to be well, able to you, have something I could contribute. <laughs> have a great day. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> Thank you, Maverick. Great, great hearing from you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, and, and, and frankly, I learn about American history every day, too. It's one of the things that I really love about writing these books. We're trying to make it a 10-book series of little slices of American history, and each book is like, you know, real small and easy to handle and just kind of pocketbook size. I learn stuff. I mean, I, I'm researching right now the history of healthcare in the United States because that's the book that'll be out next fall, and I'm writing that right now. It's absolutely fascinating what I'm learning. So, which I will be sharing with you as time goes by. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. Marty in Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, Marty, what's up? I'm confused because I listen to right-wing radio sometimes at night just to hear what the other side has to say. 
And there was a guy on late night last night talking about, we don't have to worry about COVID virus anymore because there aren't that many people dying. And he rattled off a lot of numbers in the different places that numbers are way down and why are they all worried about the testing being so important? And I don't know how to answer people logically that they'll listen. There's three things going on here, Marty. First is that they figured out that if they use this uh, old steroid drug, which reduces the body's immune response to pretty much anything, if they mm-hmm. use this drug when they have to intubate people, they're about 25% less likely to die. So you're getting a slight decrease in deaths. Or actually, 25% is substantial. You're getting a decrease in deaths among people who've got, uh, who are so sick that they have to be intubated simply because of that one intervention, number one. Number two, we are looking at the early phase of the first wave of COVID starting to hit areas that it hadn't hit before. So, you know, in New York, for example, you know, it hit New York in early March, people started dying in mid-March. Same thing we saw in Seattle, you know, it, it hit people in February, people started dying in early March. From the time somebody gets infected until the time they show up in a hospital or get a test is typically up to two weeks. From the time they show up as positive until the time that they get critically ill is typically another week to two weeks and can be as much as three weeks. And then from the time they get critically ill until the time they die is typically another week or two. So you've got basically a five or six week process from infection to death. And for a lot of these states, like the explosion that's happening in Texas right now, the explosion that's happening in Florida, Arkansas, parts of California, where we are on that curve is we're only three, four weeks, in some cases only two weeks. A lot of this, I think, is coming out of Memorial Day. We're only a couple of weeks into that process. So, yes, early on you start getting testing. You start you know, having people test positive because they're showing up with symptoms, but they're not mortally ill. A couple of weeks after that, they start getting really, really sick, and you start seeing hospitalizations go up. A couple of weeks after that, you start seeing deaths go up. So, you know, what that right winger on right wing talk radio was doing was proving uh, Lincoln's old saying that, you know, figures don't lie, but liars can figure. Yeah. So in other words, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, he does. He's very selectively using numbers to make people feel like everything's good. uh, And he's putting their lives at risk. Uh, you know, very simply. Okay. I mean, it's just, oh, and okay, the third thing is that we're seeing more and more younger people testing positive now because they're engaging in risky behavior and, uh, and, and they're getting COVID, but they don't get it uh, so severely that it kills them. I mean, if you're under 40, he, he was, he odds are very low that you're going to die from this. He, he, so what? he threw that into the mix, too, that, that all these people, their younger ones are getting it now, and ours aren't the one who's going to die like the old ones did at the beginning, so we don't have to worry. Yeah, there's some truth to that. The problem is that those younger people know people who are older, or they know people who know people who are older, and <laughs> you know, people over 40 are at really, really high risk of dying. And then on top of that, younger people still get strokes from COVID. People in their teens and 20s are getting strokes that are leaving them permanently paralyzed or permanently in a state of dementia. Uh, people are young. Young people are getting heart attacks from COVID-19. Young people are getting permanent kidney damage, and they're going to be on dialysis for the rest of their lives. Young people are getting liver damage, and are going to need liver transplants. Not to mention the fact that they're transmitting it to other people. So there's a lot of dimensions to this thing, Marty, that are really, really ugly. And anybody who's going on the radio saying, "Oh, if you're under 40 or under 30, don't worry, be happy," is committing, in my opinion, a crime against public health and against America in general. 
Michelle in Capitol Heights, Maryland. Hey, Michelle, what's up? I just want to thank you for all you do. I always learn so much from you. Well, I'm putting you. that legal degree of mine back to use, though. I wanted to correct the citation that the gentleman gave you earlier. It's actually Jacobson versus Massachusetts. The U.S. Supreme Court upheld the Cambridge, Massachusetts Board of Health authority to require vaccinations um, against smallpox during the smallpox epidemic. And the court held that an individual liberty is not absolute and is subject to the police power of the state. Wow. Wow. Thank you for that, Michelle. You're welcome. Yeah. That was all. I just wanted to give you the correct citation and the uh, well, that's, or the, that's case, the correct case name. Uh, if you want the citation, yeah. I'm happy to provide that. No, no, the case name is fine, and 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 knowing the, you know what it was about, the context that that is that is wonderful. Thank you so much, Michelle. I appreciate the call. It's great to hear from you, and and thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV. I really appreciate it. Victor in Pueblo, Colorado. Hey, Victor, what's up? Couple Sign things. Mind. First of all, that Jacobson decision. You know, mm -hmm. I know courts can construe things as they want, but in 2020, the Fifth Circuit used that to support Texas's decision to stop the abortions. So although we can really? take language that sounds flowery in, in a case. So they, so Texas was that asserting way. that they were trying to block abortion as a public health issue, or at least block right. the, the way that abortions were being done as a public health issue. Was that, did that have to do with how wide the halls were, admitting privileges or something? I, you know, I'm not sure about that, but so- but I'll, 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 get, I'll bet that was quote. the case. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure there was something, you know, that the dangers of mm. this and because it's elective surgery. Right. But you wanted to talk but about the tribalism of American people. Do I have that right? Yeah. You know, that's the thing is with with what is happening as far as a major disaster health wise that should be unifying people. Do we even have the potential to come together, as I hear you talk about elections not being certified and um you know, it, it just seems we have a nation that's just so based upon fear that drives us mm -hmm. to tribalism. Yeah, what we have 40 say? years of right wing billionaires funding opposition media, opposition think tanks, promoting the idea that Ronald Reagan first rolled out in his first inaugural address, saying that the you know government is not the solution to your problems. Government itself is the problem. They've been promoting this now for 40 years because they don't like the government telling them that they can't pollute this, you know, largely coming out of fossil fuel billionaires. They don't like the government telling, you know, regulating them in any way, telling them that they have to allow their employees to have unions or anything else. And then to your point of tribalism, Victor, this story by Brad Reed over at Raw Story, you know, the villages, this, this giant uh, retirement community in Florida where, you know, uh, built on, I believe it's built around a golf course where, uh, Trump, where the guy was yelling white power in his golf cart and Trump retweeted that. Right. Well, here's this is an amazing story. This is out of the Daily Beast, apparently. Democratic residents in the villages feel increasingly under siege from their Trump-loving counterparts. Chris Stanley, the president of the village's Democratic Club, says he caught Trump-supporting residents plotting online to toss nails in the path that the Democrats are planning to use to drive to their planned golf cart rally. And uh, so he went on their website and found that they were also planning on throwing eggs at the Democrats. This is, I mean, this is the president of the Democratic Club in the community. And he says, they were laying in wait for us with foul signs and name calling and threatening gestures. It was ugly. It was very ugly. This is what life is like for us now in the villages. I hope that starting November 4th, things get better. 
Well, so here we are. That, I don't know if you're familiar. I don't know if you're familiar with Otto Schammer and work that he's done. Theory U. But one of the things that he says in his book is that the consciousness of the community rises or falls to the level of its leaders. Will we ever be able to understand that as a society? In your mind. Well, in a democracy, you could say that consciousness and intelligence of the leaders reflects the electorate because they put the leader in there. Although I would be hard pressed to argue that Americans actually elected Donald Trump. He lost by three million votes. But, you know, point taken, Victor. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Good talking to you. And this goes back to that old quote, you know, that someday Americans are going to get exactly what they want. They're going to wake up with a complete dumbass in the White House. And (laughs) here we are tragedy is that 130,000 Americans are dead. And by election day, it'll be a quarter million Americans dead. And on top of that, you've probably got another million Americans who are going to be permanently disabled. We're just now learning, or have been over the last few months, about the permanent disabilities that occur as a result of getting an infection with this disease. Strokes, heart disease, all kinds of problems. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Dementia, conjunctivitis, destruction of vision. I mean, all these things. This is for the survivors of coronavirus. Marlon in St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, Marlon, it says here you've got COVID? Yes, Tom, I do. Um, I'm seven days in right now. I guess to paraphrase Forrest Gump, it's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. My wife Can I ask how old you are? 52. My wife Tell me about your experience. She got over it in about four days other than getting her taste buds back. She still hasn't got mm-hmm. that, but I just can't seem to get it behind me. Uh, I don't know. It's weird. It feels like I've been strung up and smacked around with a two-by-four or something. My abdomen is very, very tender. It's just uh, in and out of nausea and such. Um, I don't know. Just keep hoping that uh, today I wake up and feel better and it's behind me, but it doesn't can't quite get there. So, yeah, I'm so sorry to hear that, Marlon. I'm not offering medical advice here, but I read that, you know, in small ways, things like vitamins D and C, you know, might have some help or something. But, I, you know, I don't oh, want to I be take a, I take a fistful of vitamins every day. I've done that for years and yeah. years. Um, actually, yeah, very healthy. I work in construction industry and uh, most people would consider mm-hmm. me very healthy. These people that talk about herd immunity, I think that feels like uh, the same strategy as vaccinating, but except for vaccinating with the full-blown disease, right. <laughs> you know, an actual right. safe vaccine, you know, which seems some people were saying that on my Facebook feed this morning. It's like, well, come on over and get you some. Then I got your herd immunity. Yeah. Here. <laughs> Do you know how you got it, Marlon? No, we don't. We um we were working throughout the entire time, but most of the time our job we're, we're actually doing rehabbing in old Victorian homes, but went to stores and such. But we probably mm-hmm. took an ill-advised trip to Branson, Missouri, went camping and such, and we got down there and it was like nobody's wearing masks or anything, and mm-hmm. it seems to have coincided with that. So we're not totally sure, though. <clears throat> But wow, fingers crossed, I'm not panicked yet, but I feel miles from invincible. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody send Marlon your, your good vibes and, and some light and prayers and whatever it may be for you. And Marlon, I, I, I've got to move along here on the calls, but thank you very much sure. for, uh, for sharing your experience with us. Thank it's you for what you do, Tom. 
You All betcha. Right. Thank you, Marlon. Keep us up to date. Eleanor in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Eleanor, what's up? Hi, um, I listen to your show all the time, and I read an article this weekend that was talking about the lack of oversight for the coronavirus funding, and I was just curious on what your take on it is. Do you think that someone's going to step up and really get the Republicans to admit that they've been stealing from the American people during a moment of crisis? Democrats are trying. The, in the House of Representatives, they're, they're trying to subpoena some of these people. But the position Republicans take is that they are unaccountable. They are above the law. They don't have to respond to subpoenas. They don't have to, you know, they don't have to do anything. And Steve Mnuchin is the one passing out this half a trillion dollars. He has now said he's not going to tell you who he's giving it to. This is the most obscene corruption I think I've ever seen in the federal government. And I'm really surprised there's not more outrage about it. Again, you know, flip it around. If Barack Obama did a bailout, which he did, and all that money was invisible, if we never got to know where that money went, can you imagine how the media and the GOP would be dealing with this, Illinois? Well, I mean, it's just infuriating as I'm a millennial and I read an article this morning that said millennials are either going to have to fight for major change just so that they get the same level of Social Security that their parents have gotten. I mean, I pay a third of my salary into Social Security and to see and I support it. I mean, I want there to be a social safety net for anyone who is of age or anybody that needs it. And so to see something like this again in a major moment of crisis. And knowing that they just refuse to take responsibility for this robbery, this thievery. I mean, it's insane. I, I can't even, I can't talk to a local representative, but I can't believe how this isn't with everything that's going on. And there's, you know, another hot button issue every single day. But for this to not be one of the main things that we're talking about, this is insane. And let me add, Eleanor, as a millennial, you are now covered by Social Security, and that's a big deal. You can't buy an insurance policy that, for any price that does what Social Security does for you as a millennial. One of my best friends, uh, Michael Hutchison, uh, was out jogging in his, in his late 40s. He was out jogging in uh, Albuquerque or in Santa Fe in the winter, and it was an icy, uh, icy bridge he was jogging over. He slipped. He fell literally off the bridge into the river below broke his neck and oh was uh, paralyzed from the neck down for the rest of his life. And he died oh. a couple of years ago in his, in his early 60s. But um, all those years that he was living at home, he had a healthcare worker who came in every day and basically did everything for him. He was paralyzed from the neck down. Um, that was all paid for by Social Security, Social Security Disability. You have a multi-million dollar insurance policy, you and every other person in America, through Social Security. It's, in fact, it's a third of all Social Security payments go out for disability like that. And the Republicans want to do away with that, too. So the easy fix is just to remove the cap. Right now, if you make more than $130,000 a year, you no longer pay into Social Security you know, with your, uh, with your pay, payroll tax. And if uh, billionaires, if that cap was eliminated, you know, and billionaires paid into Social Security like everybody else does, everybody would be protected. So, Eleanor, that's a really, really good point. And it's just mind-boggling, the, the, the absolute theft that's happening. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, 
all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Look around! You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. So Sunday, our daughter, who is a uh, physician's assistant and works at one of the largest hospitals in the state and, you know, kind of understands what's going on with the coronavirus, called us up, Louise and I, and said that she and her wife and their son, were, who's two years old, our grandson, that they were going to go to one of these outdoor places where they have berry bushes and, you know, blueberries and raspberries and stuff like that and pick berries. And would we like to join them? We'll all socially distance and we'll all wear masks. And so we went out and that's what we did all day Sunday. Uh, Louise and I came back with pints and pints and pints of blueberries and raspberries. And Louise made a blueberry upside down cake and it was just wonderful. And we were able to see our grandson, which was so cool, and our daughter and her wife. And we, we just had a wonderful time. It was literally the first time we've seen any of our kids in person. Pretty sure. Our son might have just dropped something off once. But anyhow, it, you know, it just waved at us. But it was the first time that we really spent any time with any of our kids since March 10th, when Louise and I said, okay, that's it. We're, <laughs> you know, there's something going on out there and we're not going to be part of it. Don't want to die. Thank you. 
I share that story with you because if we were living in South Korea, if we were living in Australia, if we were living in New Zealand or Taiwan, if we were living in Germany or France or Spain or Norway or Denmark, we would be hanging out with our kids right now because everybody would have been tested. Everybody would have been socially distanced. Yesterday, there was a story in the Financial Times about how Lufthansa, the German airline, is offering coronavirus tests at the Frankfurt airport. Now, there's a bunch of countries where if you fly into them, and not just countries, this is also true of the state of Hawaii, although the federal government is suing to try and stop them from doing this. But there are places where when you fly in from pretty much anywhere in the world, because you might have the coronavirus or you might have even been exposed on the plane or whatever, um, where when you fly in, you must quarantine yourself for two weeks, for 14 days. So Lufthansa now at the airport in Frankfurt is offering COVID tests, take one hour, and if you test negative, it goes on your boarding pass. So when you get to the country that you're going to, you can say, here, look at this, I am COVID negative, I was just tested a few hours ago, and you don't have to be quarantined. Really rapidly, what we have here is the world dividing into two parts. There are those countries that have COVID under control or are aggressively in the process of getting it under control. And it literally is all over the world that this is happening. There are countries in Central and South America that are, doing, that are getting it under control. There are countries in Africa. There are countries in Asia. There are countries you know, that are getting it under control. And then there are countries that are not getting it under control. And we're in that latter category. And that's why we can't hang out with our kids. That's why our two-year-old grandson uh, never even asked for a hug because he's learned you don't do that. Isn't that a sad thing? I mean, you've got a whole generation of kids growing up thinking you can't hug your relatives. It's a human instinct, you know, it's a normal thing. But here we have these, the Centers for Disease Control. Yesterday, the principal deputy director of the CDC, Dr. Ann Shushat, testifying, this is yesterday, she said, we're not in the situation of New Zealand or Singapore or Korea, where a new case is rapidly identified and all the contacts are traced and people are isolated who are sick and people who are exposed are quarantined and they can keep things under control. Did you get that? The number two person of the CDC said, we're not in that situation of all these other countries. She goes on to say, we have way too much virus across the country for that right now. So it's very discouraging. We do not have a coordinated federal testing program. In fact, the opposite. Donald Trump said, slow the test down. We don't have a national system of case management and contact tracing. We don't have any kind of consistent nationwide regulations on social distancing, on wearing masks, on which businesses are, should be open, which businesses should be closed, under what circumstances and in which ways. We don't have a national mandate to wear masks, which is the single most effective thing. We know that if a COVID carrier is wearing a mask, 
and you're healthy and you're wearing a mask and you interact with that person, your chances of transmission of getting it from them is only one and a half percent. 99 times out of 100, you will not get COVID from a person who actively has COVID if they simply wear a mask and you wear a mask. But is that happening here? No. Yeah, finally Mike Pence said, oh yeah, sure, let's wear masks. Do you think Mike Pence is going to be able to ride this into the White House? Do you think Pence is actually starting to turn on Trump? If he does, do you think he might use the 25th Amendment? to try to pull Trump down so that he can be the nominee? Is Mike Pence that calculating? Is he that, you know, I'm, I'm lacking words here. Is, the, <laughs> is he that forceful? Is he that strong? Is he that willing? Does he want to be president that much? I don't know. I don't know. I think we'll find out. In the countries that are getting this under control, cool, they've got it under control. But the International Labor Organization, the ILO, just pointed out that 50% of the entire global workforce is in immediate danger of having their livelihoods destroyed. And the countries like the United States and the countries of Europe, the wealthy countries that are supporting people while they can't work, are not going to be able to do that for forever. They're not even probably going to be able to do that for a number of months. You know, I mean, we're looking at major disasters all over the world as a result of this. And, and Donald Trump has thrown us, in, thrown us in with those countries that are doing nothing or don't have the means to do anything about this. Here we are. Other countries, Taiwan, Australia, New Zealand, South Korea, China, increasingly some of the countries of Europe, Norway, Denmark, Sweden's having a challenge because <laughs> they're trying Trump's strategy. It's not quite working. Actually, Trump's strategy isn't even Sweden. In Sweden, everybody's wearing masks. People are social distancing. Yes, they're going to restaurants and bars, but they're, they're being careful. And now they're seeing an explosion of deaths. But basically, you've got two kinds of countries in the world now. You've got countries like the developed world, countries like Western Europe, Northern Europe, all across the Pacific Rim. Countries that have said, we're going to stop this virus. We're going to stop its damage to our people. And if possible, we're going to eliminate it. I mean, New Zealand and Australia are on path right now to become literally totally virus-free. And China is claiming that most of their country is completely virus-free right now. Now, you know, take whatever China says with a grain of salt, but I believe Australia and New Zealand and Taiwan and South Korea, Japan. Shinzo Abe just lifted his state of emergency outside of eight cities that still have problems. But the country as a whole, no more state of emergency in Japan. They've got this thing under control or they're getting there. So that's the strategy of most of the developed countries in the world. And then there's the strategy of countries like Brazil and the United States and the Philippines with uh, Rodrigo Duterte in the Philippines and Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil and every single one of those countries, including the United States, 
just blow the doors open, expose the people to the virus, let a whole bunch of old people and poor people and people in poor health die, let a very small percentage of children die, and then we'll have herd immunity and everything will be wonderful. Well, you know, this is a brand new virus. We have no idea how herd immunity works with this virus. We have no idea how many people have to get it and die from it. This is a huge medical experiment that Donald Trump is doing on us that has already killed 80,000 of us, has sickened over one and a quarter million of us. And you get, when you talk to people who, you know, Amy Vanderpool's uh, Shiro newsletter this morning, she was talking about how she was blogging, live blogging, basically, having the virus. And that was weeks ago. And she still can't catch her breath. I mean, it's just, it's just mind-boggling. This is serious stuff. But to add insult to injury, we discover where this strategy, this so-called scientific strategy of just blowing the country open, where this originated. It was reported by the Financial Times that Jared Kushner told Trump, now this would have been back in January or February, very early on, when people like Dr. Rick Bright literally saying, up the chain of command in his department and all the way through HHS, he was saying, we need to get ready. We need test kits. We need personal protective equipment. We need masks. We need gowns. We need shields. And we're going to need a lot of this stuff. We need swabs. We need reagents. And they were just all ignoring him. Well, here's why. Quoting from the Financial Times. Jared had been arguing that testing too many people or ordering too many ventilators would spook the stock market. And so we just shouldn't do it. That advice worked more powerfully on Trump than what the scientists were saying. He thinks scientists always exaggerate. Donald Trump said, and I quote, in a way, by doing all this testing, we make ourselves look bad. No, by having 80,000 dead people, we make ourselves look bad. And now you've got the Fed chief, Jerome Powell, saying that this cratered economy could remain bombed out for years if the Republicans in Congress don't do something. But uh, the Republicans are saying, no, no problem. The countries that have taken this seriously, the countries of, of Northern and Western Europe, Australia, New Zealand, Taiwan, South Korea, Japan, all of them are keeping their unemployment rates below 10%. Most of them are keeping their unemployment rates below 6%. But in Trump's America, now we got 25% unemployment. We are 4.5% of the world's population. We got a third of the world's coronavirus cases and, and, and a quarter of its deaths. Which raises the question I present to you. Will the next president be able to undo Donald Trump's damage and the GOP's damage in just a few months? Or is it going to take years? Or might it take decades? I'm kind of voting for decades. But, you know, what do you think? How's this going to work out? This is the Tom Hartman Program. How long is it going to take America to recover from Donald Trump's massive incompetence, and frankly, malice. Joan in Rochester, Minnesota. Hey, Joan, what's up? Well, I wondered why Trump is having rallies with his voters, giving them the opportunity to get the virus, 
have something happen. I think it's because he's mentally ill. Yeah, well, but he's going to lose his voters if they get the virus. And what he's doing is defeating his own purpose of impressing people. And what's going to happen is that if he does lose, he's going to say, well, you know, the virus was the cause of the loss of my election. But doesn't he have, he's saying that. A, brain, doesn't he have a brain to understand that he's hurting himself by having those people meet in big quantities and exposing them? You know, if, if, if 15 or 20,000 people show up and, and go back out into the community and infect another 15 or 20,000 people, you know, 40, 50,000 um, voters in, in uh, Oklahoma is probably not going to make a difference for Donald Trump. He's still going to carry Oklahoma. Uh, well, so, I don't think he cares, frankly, Joan. That's I why I said it's because he's mentally ill. Yep. Joan, thank you for the call. It's great to hear from you. January 20th can't come soon enough, I'm telling you. And in the meantime, tell your friends about progressive media and get active in your democracy. It requires you to egg your head. We'll see you tomorrow. Be good. Be good to yourself and people around you. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.